you glad that's the last blood that'll ever be needed. Amen. Grab your hymn book, stand to your feet now. Thank you for coming this morning. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Amen. In your red song book this morning, hymn number 265, Love Lifted Me. We'll sing all three verses. Hymn number 265 this morning.
sin this morning say amen for me amen brother peck come open us up in prayer if you would please make your way up to the pulpit while brother peck is coming i want to give you a couple of uh prayer requests that specifically relate to folks here in our church we had so many downstairs in my sunday school hour but let me give you these four if i can pray especially for sister pam biggs uh she went this week uh, to do some pre-op in preparation for uh, her cancer surgery, and they have found something wrong with her heart, and so they're having to send her to a heart specialist to try to figure out what's going there. So pray for Sister Pam, if you would. Brother Larry's got a procedure coming up as well. Continue to pray for Brother John. Had uh, some uh, a heart procedure this week here in services this morning, so praise the Lord for that. Pray for Chelsea. I know you have been, but continue to lift her up in prayer. And then we found out this morning that one of our military boys, Zachary, Reynolds will be shipping out to Puerto Rico uh, this week to provide disaster relief, so pray for them if you would. And finally, pray for uh, our own missionary, Brother Eddie, who will be heading out a week from Tuesday uh, doing disaster relief down in Texas, and we're honored to be able to send him out and support that capacity. So, Brother, I want you to come take us to the throne room of grace this morning. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless us in the services today. Brother, you lead us to the Lord's throne. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another day to be out in your house. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Lord, we pray that we not ever take it for granted. Lord, when we come before you, Lord, we will come for an almighty God. We're not just coming to a whole pit, Lord, just a, just a fiddle, fiddle valley around, Lord, because it's, it's, it's serious business, Lord. We're coming kneel at the feet of Jesus because Jesus uh, went to Calvary in case someone didn't know. He went to Calvary and shed his blood for us so we could have salvation. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for the nail thorns in your hands, you piercing, the piercings in your head, in your feet. Lord, uh, <clears throat> I could get choked up, Lord, thinking about what you went through for us. Lord, I know it's not by coincidence that each one of us is not here today. You've uh, drawn us for a reason. So to hear the word, I pray, Lord, you bless our pastor. Bless him, Lord, fill him with the spirit because he needs you. Lord, he's a man. He needs you in a mighty way. And, Lord, we need to hear it from you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you bless these ones that come out today and the souls will be saved. Yeah. Bless these prayer requests that have been asked for today. Lord, give them healing powers. Only yes. you can do. Bless these ones that had went through these storms in Florida yeah. and in Texas. And I pray, Lord, you be with each one in Mexico. There's been a lot of oh, things God, going on around the world. You said that earthquakes would come in diverse yeah. places and at the end of the time. 
that's with, at the age of time that's now. Right. I pray, Lord, you'd open up her eyes and her ears, Lord, to see what's going on in America. Bless our soldiers, Lord, of military. Bless them with strength and safety. And also, Lord, we need to bless our president. Give him guidance, Lord. He's just a man too. Bless him, Lord, with the guidance and the words, the strength to do the right thing to lead the country in the right way. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for all your blessings. Name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peck. You can be seated. I don't know if you if you heard him. And I like that. We didn't come to fiddle-faddle around. Amen. We came to worship this morning. You listen to Miss Lisa, one of my favorite songs of all time. Classic song that Miss Kyla wrote. Did I mention? You listen now as Miss Lisa sings it.
Thank you so much this morning. Wonderful job, choir. We appreciate the good number being here. I got several announcements that I want to bring to your attention today. First of all, uh, no evening services tonight. This is our first drama practice, and uh, we will be taking over the next few weeks some evening services uh, to pr get prepared for that. Of those of you who've been here for a while, you know that we do quite a production every year at uh, Christmas time, and in an effort to get folks to a saving knowledge of Christ, we start our pr production tonight. So we will be spending the afternoon and part of the evening practicing. The schedule is down at the bottom of your bulletin. Three o'clock will be speaking parts. Four o'clock will be scene one. Miss Pam, is everything posted outside the teen room? So if you're not sure what your parts are, if you signed up to participate before you leave today, make sure you take a look to see what your parts are and so you'll know if you need to be here today at uh, three o'clock for the speaking parts, four o'clock for scene one, and uh, we'll have a good time together today as we get started in that capacity. Keep that in mind, if you will. Don't forget, we will be shortly uh, taking up a special offering for Brother Eddie Gunner, who will be doing disaster relief in uh, Texas next week, or uh, he'll be leaving next week. For those of you who... Helicopter, amen. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. For those of you who utilize the online platform, if you uh, log on to that or tap your app, you'll see that we have a, uh, a line there for disaster relief. You can utilize that. If you want to uh, uh, take part online, you can do that at any time. Saturday, October the 7th, baby shower for Aubrey Elizabeth Ratliff. Of course, Wesleyan Summer's soon-to-be little girl. That will be in the teen room, so keep that in mind if you would. Thank you to those who have signed up. We need a couple more folks to sign up, please. A couple more ladies, if you would help me out uh, for our Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary meal that we provided. My wife and I did the entire month of September. Uh, several of you signed up already, but we do have a couple more slots available if you would please help us out. And then we are, as we mentioned uh, for the last week or so, doing our I Am a Whosoever t-shirt to help Operation Christmas Child and the shipping of the boxes. We've got those located uh, back uh, here and then also at our postal area. You take those, fill them out, one per family, make the checkout to SAGBC. Every shirt that you buy helps send another box around the world. So we appreciate your capacity in helping us out with that. Uh, that money and the orders need to be here by uh, October the 1st. First, need to be given to Sister Pam Holland or to Sister Mary Margaret Martin. Please, please remember that if you would. And then I am pleased to announce to you that on yesterday, uh, my little girl Lydia got engaged uh, to, to Nick Horsley. Amen. We uh, purposefully uh, didn't share anything publicly until we shared it with our church family first. So uh, after today, she'll start sharing all of that. That means both of my youngins are going to get hitched up in the next few months. So uh, you continue to keep them in prayer if you would. I'll tell you this, I, I had to chuckle. Uh, Nick's, I, when he came to talk to me a couple of weeks ago about asking, uh, he said, well, preacher, after I ask the question, we'd like all the family to come up, and we're going to have a big meal together up on the mountain, beautiful, elegant meal that he paid for. So I looked at him last night when I realized that he was paying for it, and I said, Lydia, won't you give that ring back, and let's do it again next week. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then, of course, as we were leaving, uh, I looked at Ken, and I said, you know what this means, don't you? He said, what? I said, you ain't never leaving my church. Amen. 
So you continue to lift them up in prayer as they begin there and plan their life together. All right, let's have the little ones come on down, make your way this morning, if you would, please. Everybody that's heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, come on quickly this morning. For those of you who may be visiting, they're going to come around and collect any loose change that you've got. And this goes to help support our ladies' ministries here at the church. So take off, young people. share a story with you, put a smile on your face. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, I was standing in Atlanta airport. I had to go to Boston Thursday and Friday for the college. And so flying back, I was in the Atlanta airport and I'm standing uh, waiting for a cheeseburger for myself and my wife before we get on the plane to fly back to Greensboro. And this lady keeps staring at me. And you know how you get that feeling that somebody's looking at you and you don't want to be rude and say, can I help you? But she kept staring and I finally glanced over, and I noticed she had a big tear in her eye. And I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, can I rub your head? And I didn't know if I should be flattered, insulted, or scared. And I'm, I just, I didn't, I truly, it's rare that I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> But I said, excuse me? And she, then she broke my heart. She said, my son's in the military, and he's overseas, and I miss him so badly. And he has the same haircut you do. So what did you do? I went. 
And she stood there and she just rubbed and rubbed and rubbed. And she's about 70 years old. And I went over to Renee and I handed her the cheeseburger and I said, baby, you got competition. <laughs> Amen. Gotta love it. Fellas, make your way down this morning if you would. Girls, ladies, you all come get ready to sing for us. Helbert family will be singing this morning. You give obedient and generously unto the Lord as God gives you uh, opportunity. We're going to pray. Give him those three, buddy, if you would make sure they're on. Let's pray together. Ask God's blessings upon the offering today and let him speak through us. Lord, we sure love you. And what an opportunity and a privilege it is to worship you today. We're glad to be in your midst. Bless the Helbert girls as they sing this morning. And Lord, may your son be glorified in all that we do. Bless this offering in Christ's name. Amen. Oh! 
Rick, hit that play button again. I want y'all to sing out again this morning. Aren't you glad that he's an ever-present help in a time of storm? Boy, I can't explain to you why storms come your way, and I sure can't explain to you how to get through them, but I can point you in the one that can. Amen. Sing it again, girls. Hit play right now, Rick, if you would. You listen out. If God is speaking to you, you move. Don't wait for the invitation. If there's something on your heart, you come on right now and get it to this altar. You listen to these girls. Aren't you glad we have an ever-present help in a time of need? Yeah, man. Boy, that's awesome, girls. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Brother Ken, you come get us a song of fellowship, then we'll have our special offering this morning. Let's all stand to our feet together. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Let's all make a joyful noise. Brother Ken.
Amen. As we all stand together, grab your red song book. What a wonderful song that was this morning. Ain't God good? Amen. It's good to stand on his promises today. Hymn number 329 as we have a song of fellowship. First verse and chorus, standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my
All right, folks, thank you so much. If my wife didn't stop playing, y'all would be doing this till 2.30, I'm just telling you. Thank you, as always, for your kindness to one another. I think it's the hallmark of our church that uh, you come here and somebody's going to shake your hand and hug your neck, slop sugar, snot, the whole nine yards. That's one of the reasons why we have all the hand sanitizer out, because when somebody gets sniffles in this church, it spreads everywhere, everywhere. Fellas, come on down, if you would. Just before we get into the Word today, it's our privilege and opportunity to be able to do something special for uh, uh, disaster relief. This is 100% going to purchase supplies. Brother Gunter is going to need, as he goes and operates out of Texas, to help rebuild homes, churches, lives, families. You understand that when the floodwaters recede, that's when the real work begins. And I appreciate how generous you were in our water relief, but now we get the opportunity to do something even more special. And again, you want to write a check, please make it out to SAGBC. You want to use the online system. Uh, tap, please, if you would, disaster relief so that we'll know that that's not part of your tithes and offerings. You can do it all the way through tonight as well, and then even while he's gone, you can give to that capacity. Uh, and I appreciate your generosity. Lord, bless the offering. Lord, uh, thank you for the work that you've called Brother Eddie to do. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to bless those down there that need it the most in this capacity. In Christ's name, amen. Take off, gentlemen. number four this morning please acts chapter number four in your bibles this morning acts chapter number four we're going to start in verse number 23 this morning we will read down through verse number 35 acts chapter number four beginning in verse 23 reading down through verse number 35 imagine this morning being part of a church that is growing by leaps and bounds. Imagine a church where 3,000 are saved in one service. Another 5,000 are saved at another service. Imagine being part of a church where the extraordinary is normal. Miracles are being evidenced in everyday life. 
Imagine being part of a church where all the members get along in unity in one accord, where the power of God is evident, where Jesus is the centerpiece of everything that happens. To that kind of church, I simply give you the title of my message this morning, that's my kind of people. That's my kind of people. The early church in Jerusalem was just like that. They enjoyed a miraculous display of the presence, the power of God on an everyday basis. They saw souls saved, not by the ones and tens, but by the thousands. If you were with us on the Wednesday night of our revival, when 13 folks got saved, walk the aisle, were gloriously born again, we about raised the roof off of this place. You can imagine the excitement of thousands coming to know the Lord. Extraordinary doesn't begin to describe what was taking place in that early church. But I must also remind us that everything wasn't sunshine and roses. You see, when you give 100% for the Lord, there will be those who don't like it very much. When you sell out for Christ and when you make it your life's calling and your decision to do something great for God, you will face opposition. After the lame man was healed at the gate beautiful there by the temple, the people in Jerusalem really began to listen to the apostles. That miracle there became the incendiary element, if you will, that ignited both the church as well as the religious crowd. And when that happened, the religious elite arrested John and Peter, threw them in prison, and then brought them before the Sanhedrin for trial. We read about the words of Peter as he stood before the Sanhedrin. Following the testimony of Peter, John and Peter continued to preach, but the Sanhedrin issued an order that forbidden them from preaching in the name of Jesus and then allowed them to leave. I wonder if the Sanhedrin really realized what they'd done. Because when that meeting was over, when they had been told, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus, Peter and John returned to where the church was gathered, and no doubt the leader they were praying for the leaders. And when Peter and John walked in, and announced what had happened, what had transpired, instead of the church being upset and fearful, an old-fashioned worship service broke out. That's where I want us to pick up our narrative this morning. In Acts chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 23, they have returned from the trial where they were told never to preach in the name of Jesus again. They've walked through the church doors, told everybody what has happened, and I want you to see what transpired. Begin with me, please, at verse number 23. Being let go, they went to their own company. That means back to the church. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they, the church meaning there, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. 
who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that by signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken, for they are assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. With great power gave the apostles witness the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of them that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according he had need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you've so clearly told us that when we Send out the precious seed that we know of as your word. It will not return void. Lord, I thank you for the reality of the song that the Helbert girls sang about today. Lord, I thank you for the reality that why should we worry, why should we fear when that very same Jesus is always near. Lord, I, I have the outline that I believe you've given my heart today. But all is vain unless the Spirit of God empowers us to preach it. So, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of any sin. Lord, help my flesh stay out of the way and that you would speak through the message today. Lord, I pray that you would send the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit to convict the hearts of the need of salvation for the lost and that you would draw every one of us, man, woman, boy, and girl, closer to you today so that when we walk out of here, we would realize that we're still on the firing line for Christ. Bless the message now in Christ's name. Amen. When Peter and John walked through the doors of that church, if you will, the gathering place where the believers were gathered together, not knowing whether or not they had been allowed to live, not knowing whether or not they had been set free, not knowing whether or not they would ever uh, be allowed to preach again. I have no doubt uh, that the church broke out into a moment of celebration when Peter and John walked in. Yet as they came to the front of the congregation and began to outline what had transpired and began to discuss uh, what they had been told, uh, I can't help but wonder what the congregation felt when they said, uh, the lawmakers, the religious elite have told us uh, that we can never again preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pause just a moment to make a bold statement. With the trajectory of what our country is going through, I wonder how far we are from that transpiration. 
wonder how far it will be before our country says, uh, preachers, you can no longer mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, uh, that would never happen. It's already happened to our country, to the north in Canada. Please don't think that something that drastic can't trickle down into this country. So the congregation perhaps sits aghast, wondering what's going to happen. Wondering what's going to transpire. Uh, will their leaders uh, be silenced? Will they never again mention the name of the Lord Jesus? And I can just imagine uh, the celebration that breaks out uh, when they say, uh, but despite what they said, they will never shut us up. Peter and John gave the clear indication that they don't answer to the Sanhedrin, they answer to the Savior. They gave the clear reminder uh, that the Sanhedrin and the religious elite did not save them. It was the Lord Jesus Christ that saved them. And as long as they had breath in their body, they would continue to preach and they would continue to gleefully utter the names, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what transpired next is what caught my attention. I am thankful that Peter and John had the boldness to say, we're going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on talking. We're going to keep on delivering the message. But it is the reaction of the congregation that captures my attention this morning. You see, the congregation did not sit there dutifully listening, but rather the congregation broke out into rapturous, thunderous celebration to the point that the Bible says that the place was shaken. Can I just pause a moment and say, that's my kind of people. I will quickly share with you, many of you know this story already, but my mother was not raised an independent Baptist. My mother was raised West Virginia Pentecostal. You say, preacher, why not just Pentecostal? Because there is a big difference between Pentecostal and West Virginia Pentecostal. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I will quickly explain that West Virginia Pentecostal does not just mean speaking in tongues, but means snake handling as well. That's the kind of environment my mother was raised in. I've shared many times that, that, that the first church I ever took my wife to that was of that persuasion, we walked in for a wedding and the snake boxes are in the back. They were empty, but they were there. The boxes were in place. My wife grabs my arm and she looks at me and she said, you look at me. When I told you I'd marry you, I said I'd go with you anywhere God called you, but he is not calling you here. Amen. You said, when I took over the pastorate of Amazing Grace Baptist Church some 16 plus years ago, it was a relatively quiet congregation. 50 people were in attendance on the very first Sunday. And it was relatively quiet, quite, quite frankly. I have to tell you, that's not the environment in which I was raised. That's not the worship experience that I was used to. So after three or four weeks of that and asking folks to say amen and hearing nothing but crickets, I thought, something's got to give. On Sunday morning, I stood up and said, folks, I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm going to be here as long as the Lord allows me to stay. But we got to change something up in this place. I reminded them of my lineage and my heritage, and I said, if you all don't start participating and helping me in this service, I am going up to West Virginia. I'm going to bring down some of my tongue-talking, snake-handling relatives, and we're going to tear this place up. Needless to say, the amens began. 
the next service, I saw a little hand go up, and then all of a sudden that person went like they were scared to death. Three months later, the entire atmosphere of the church had changed. One of my deacons came up to me afterwards and said, Preacher, I have to tell you, we've had a meeting, uh, and we've realized that you scared the shout right out of us. Amen. That is exactly the kind of service, minus the snakes, that was happening when these two disciples made their way back to the church house. May I say to you this morning, that's my kind of people. I want to give you this morning three things that identify this crowd. Three things that typify this crowd. Three things that describe this early church. And ask ourselves this question. Are we identifying with that today? Are we in line today with what characterized this church in which thousands would come to know the Lord at any given service? Number one, these folks, they were a worshiping crowd. They were not afraid to worship the Lord. Peter and John walked in. These early Christians listened to their report of the apostles, and they did not resort to fear and trembling. They did not accept the reality that they could no longer mention the name of Christ. In fact, uh, they did just the opposite. They turned their hearts to the Lord, and they began to worship. What do you mean, preacher? Number one, they worshiped him with their praise. They worshiped him with their praise. For the sake of time, I'll not go back and read all of the elements this morning, but I submit to you to go look in verse 24. You will see that they praised God for his person. Verses 25, 26, and 27, they praised God for his provision. And verse 28, they praised God for his power. Our psalms are replete with commandments, not suggestions, but commandments to praise the Lord. May I ask you this morning one simple question. How many mountains has he moved for you? Let me ask you a follow-up. How many times have you seen God do the impossible? How many times has he moved and answered your prayers? I recognize the fact that God makes us all very different people, and we're made up of very different characteristics. One of my mentors, Dr. Billy Martin, who ordained me, has said repeatedly that the mark of a spirit-filled church is not the amount of hoopla that goes on, but the freedom everyone feels to express their worship to God in the way their conscience dictates but may I say to you this morning I get very crazed when I hear people criticize someone else for praising the Lord my Bible tells me that if I don't praise him the rocks will do it in my stead and may I just clear off a little patch of land right here and say I don't want no rocks having to take my praise because he has been far too good to me and my family for me not to praise him for his goodness they worshiped with their praise. That praising crowd's my kind of crowd. But they also worshiped him with their prayers. They also worshiped him with their prayers. After they praised him, they direct their attention to some very specific requests related to their situation. Very specific requests that related to the mountain they were faced with. Verse 29, they prayed for God's infilling presence. They directly prayed for the filling of the Spirit so that they might boldly proclaim his message. 
may I pause a moment and say, you'll never boldly proclaim his message in and of your own flesh. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher, a singer, a preacher, or a prayer warrior, uh, you need the infilling presence of the Spirit of God. They also prayed for God's intervention. They ended this prayer by asking for God, listen now, to personally get involved in this situation. They asked him to personally and specifically get involved with this situation. They, they prayed that, if I could put it this way, that God would not only show up in the lives of them, but show out through the manifestation of his power. And I submit to you that because of that, they became accustomed to seeing the miraculous done in their midst. We, however, modern-day America have become very accustomed to nothing happening in our midst. We've become very complacent in Sunday morning church time and choir singing, preacher preaching, and we go about our business and never see souls saved, never see lives changed, never see homes restored, never see marriages put back together, never see children come out of their waywardness. May I say to you that in 21st century America, the same God that was the God in Acts 4 is the same God that is the God today. And what he did then, he can do now. And the way he saved then, he can save now. And the way he restored then, he can save now. Can I say to you, we we need to be more on the prayer line this morning. Those praying folks, it's my crowd. It's my kind of people. People who are not afraid to labor in prayer. And I am going to set some fundamental Baptists on their ear with this statement. Some of the best praying I've ever heard done are by godly women. Amen. Can I tell you, that's why I like to go to Women's Mountain Retreat. Amen. No, I don't fit in. I sit in the back. But my, 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 some of them good old saints of God get to praying. I think the very heavens themselves roll back the curtains and say, listen to what them ladies is a saying. And praying, folks, that's my crowd. And praising, folks. That's my crowd. I want you to notice, not only did they worship him with their prayers and their praise, they worshiped with power. That's a word you don't hear said much anymore in churches today. They worshiped with power. Look at your text, if you would, please, at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I don't know about your interpretation of that passage, but mine is pretty clear. When it says the place was shaken, let me give you the deep theology of that. It means it was shaken. It means if you go on to read, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When this number of God's people got tuned in and plugged in to a righteous God and to a resurrected Savior, uh, there was an emotional outburst and the place was shaken. And don't misunderstand me. God does not always work in the vibrant. 
We have clear evidence that there are times where God's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He's in the still, small voice. And I praise him for the still, small voice. But I also like it when he shows up and shows out in church every once in a while. I've heard all of my life, and especially my years of pastoring, uh, oh, preacher, uh, that's just emotionalism. And I stand back and wonder, what's wrong with being emotionally connected to God? Thank God I can be intellectually connected with him, uh, that I can open it up and read and allow his wisdom to impart to me what he's trying to say. Uh, but he did not create me as just an intellectual being. Uh, he created me as an emotional being. Uh, I'm not saved by my feelings, uh, but it sure feels good to be saved. So what's wrong with a little bit of emotion in our church? Many would say, oh, that's not appropriate but my Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. Many would say that's just raw emotionalism. But my Bible says, let everything that hath voice praise the Lord. That praising crowd. It's my kind of crowd. That praying crowd, that's my kind of crowd. And that power crowd, that's my kind of crowd. You understand? I'd have to give up my Pentecostal heritage if I didn't feel this way. Years ago, before my sweet grandmother went home to be with the Lord, we were up at there at their little trailer, little double wide, and each of the daughters were taking turns sitting with my grandmother. And again, this will not sit well with some of our Baptist theology. Because my grandmother was Pentecostal, her preference was women preachers. In fact, if she flipped the television on and a, woman was, and a woman was speaking in tongues, she was glued in. Well, my mother would have none of it. Now, I've often said when my mother married daddy, uh, she started uh, believing like he did. And, and, and so when we were sitting there, you have to understand that my grandmother had had multiple brain aneurysms and could not communicate. But boy, could she let you know when she won't happy. So she had... Turned on the television. I was sitting there beside of her mother on the other side. Renee was in the other in the kitchen, cooking up a meal, and my children were still toddlers at the time. And my grandmother could still work that remote, and so she turned it on and found a West Virginia Pentecostal woman preacher speaking in tongues on television. My grandmother, in all of her Pentecostal glory, got to rocking, and her hands got to going up. And I'm looking over at my mom, and my mama's just shaking her head. My mama picks up the remote and does the unthinkable. She changed the channel. She looked over at my grandmother, and she said, Mama, I don't want to watch this mess. Let's find something else. My grandmother could not articulate a word, but when she went, My mama picked up that remote and put it back, and here goes my granny rocking all over again. That might not fit my theology, but you hear me and you hear me well. I'll take an emotional filled church where folks aren't pray, are afraid to praise God than any dry, dyed church where folks get scared of the presence of God. Praising crowds, my kind of people. They worshiped this morning, worshiping crowd. Number two, note with me if you would. Not only were they a worshiping crowd, they were a working crowd. We'll park right here a minute. 
And I hope every one of you that amen me when I started talking about hooping and hollering will also amen me when I talk about working up in the church house. Amen. Notice, if you would, please, verse number 32. Very clear, they had a reason for their work. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. You see, folks, the reason for their work was very clear. The thing that was the most important in their life, they had in common. I don't need to tell you, but I'll remind you, when you're talking about thousands of people getting saved, uh, they came from all different walks of life, uh, all different nationalities, uh, all different ways of believing, uh, all different languages, uh, all different nations. I mean, they, they were as different as different could be, yet the thing that mattered most, they had in common. May I pause just a moment and say, how much more so should we be just like them? May I say to you that when we get divinely and gloriously born again, he imparts to us a love, if you will, that when it is present and when it is real, it is supernatural and God begins to work in our hearts. What do you mean, preacher? When he saves us, when he transforms us, he gives us the ability to allow him to love others through us. Let me put that in common language. We become the conduit through which the precious holy God works through a lost and dying world. And I'll pause just a moment and say, if the church members don't love each other, why should we be surprised when the world don't want no part of it? Let me park here just a minute and say, it is possible to love somebody that you don't even like. How do you know? Because I'm a parent. Every parent in the building knows what I'm talking about. You can love somebody even when you like to drop kick them to Jesus. Amen. So don't come telling me, well, I can't get along with Sister Touch and Shut. She didn't speak to me last week. Don't come talking to me about why you're still mad what somebody did to you on the other side of the church 27 years ago. Give me a break. What we're doing is too important for that kind of silliness. Get the chip off your shoulder. Realize that we're here for a reason and love one another. Amen. Even if you don't like them. Bible doesn't say I command you to like each other. Love one another. Amen. Notice, not only do you see the reality of the reason for their work, but look at the results of their work. Read with me, if you would, please, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of houses and lands, or lands or houses, sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Let me... Let me give you this in a way that I think will make sense to you. They didn't just give a little bit. They gave till it hurt. They gave of themselves. They gave not only of their pocket. Uh, they gave of their life. They gave of their day-to-day -day finances. Uh, they gave of themselves to the point where everybody would know that something different was happening with those folks. 
Let me again offend the fundamental independence that everybody ain't like us Baptists in the audience. The lost, they don't care about our doctrine. Let me say that again. The lost, drug addict, drunk, whoremonger, they don't care about our doctrine. The hurting don't care about our standards. Those that need the Lord don't care about the version of the Bible you're holding in your lap. Now, don't walk out of here and get up on social media and say, Pastor Greg said doctrine doesn't matter. Standards don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. Of course, doctrine matters. Of course, standards matter. Of course, we have a standardized version of the Bible that we use. But those that are lost and on their way to hell, they need somebody who's not going to shove doctrine down their throat, but somebody who loves them, is concerned about them, and worried where they're going to spend eternity. That working crowd, my kind of people, sad statistic today that thankfully does not identify S-A-G-B-C, but 80% of the work being done by 20% of the people. Thank God. I've been in churches where that's a reality, and it don't take long before that 20% says, I ain't doing this. Thank God that that doesn't identify this church. And I don't mind telling you uh, that when we showed up on a Friday night uh, to load up the water uh, and 70 folks came out, uh, the two other churches stood back and said, you have got to be kidding me. Can I just pause a moment and say, that ought not to be the exception. That ought to be the rule. Working crowds, my kind of people. We're a worshiping crowd. We're a working crowd. Thirdly, I want you to notice with me, and perhaps most importantly, they were a witnessing crowd. I hope you will amen me on this. As good as it is, if everything we've got stops at those back doors, how's it going to help a lost person on his way to hell? As glorious as church service can be, if it stops as we walk out the door, what real lasting value is it? You see, folks, I don't want our emotional experience to stop. And when the emotionalism comes down, we're right back where we were. But rather, that emotionalism, that extreme excitement, that praise for God leads us to do greater things for the cause of Christ. That's what identified these folks. In verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witnesses, witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. What did they witness about? Well, I think it's pretty simple, pretty clear. They witnessed about God. Because my Bible says right there in verse 33, power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means as they went about their daily business, uh, not one of them talked about the premillennial apostolic turn of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't even know what that meant. They didn't talk about the great doctrines of Scripture uh, and where Adam and Eve came from and where Eve's children came from and where Cave's wife came from. That wasn't the cause. Uh, what they talked about uh, was that fellow Jesus that was buried and died and crucified. Hey, he's alive today. That's what they talked about. 
that, that, that one that you all nailed to the cross and placed in a borrowed tomb, he stayed there. But three days later, the stone was rolled away and he's alive. That's what they talked about. Fast forward 2,000 years. And may I say to you, the greatest witness that you can ever tell somebody is despite your sin, despite what you've done, despite where you've been, there is a God that loves you. There is a son that bled for you. There is a Savior who shed his own blood for you. And you don't have to die of your sin. You don't have to wallow in this world. You can be saved by the precious blood of the Lamb. Witnessed about God. They witnessed about grace. Last clause says, great grace was upon them. Understand the word grace means unmerited favor. Didn't deserve it. Golly, they got it. Now, I confess to you that there's a couple of ways that you can look at that last clause. When it says great grace was upon them, it could mean that everywhere they went, everybody liked what they said. But I don't believe that was the case. Because the reality is, the world has never liked the Lord. They've never liked the message of Jesus Christ. They've never liked his own words. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. They don't like it when it says that, that God wants no one to perish, but whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The world has never liked that reality. You must be born again. But I believe what it meant is that everywhere they went, and they witnessed about Christ, God blessed it. God blessed them because of it. I say to you this morning, that worshiping crowd, my crowd. That working crowd, my kind of people. That witnessing crowd, my kind of people. And I just close by this simple thought. What God did then, do now. It's not him that's changed. Us that's changed. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Those are the kind of people made up the first church. Now I submit to you that's the kind of people that still make up great churches today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's moving. I want to ask you two questions. Number one, you would be honest and say, Preacher, one of those three areas, if not more, the worship, work, and witnessing, I need to do a little bit better on. Pray for me. I join you in my hand going up as soon as I say that because the reality is that ought to identify every one of us. I don't think there's anybody that can say, we've arrived, you can put your hands down, thank you. I don't think there's anybody that can say, we've arrived, we've done all the work we need to do, we've witnessed everybody we need to witness to, we've worshipped as much as we need to worship. It ought to identify every one of us. Thank you for those who are already moving, you're not even waiting. 
Anyone else who raised your hand, you go ahead and start moving now. You don't have to wait. You come on and make your way to this old-fashioned altar. But I want to ask a second question. And it's an extremely important one. The most important question that I'll ask today and perhaps of any day of your lifetime is simply this. Is there anyone in the building that would just be honest and say, Pastor, I can't raise my hand because I don't even know him as Savior. If I died today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I sure don't want to go to hell. Pray for me this morning. Is there anyone like that? Pastor, pray for me. I don't know if I'll go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anyone today? Brother Ken's going to sing us just one verse of invitation. Just one verse. If God speaks to your heart about making your way to this altar to check up on your worship, your work, or your witness, you come on now. Brother Ken sings for us this morning. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come. Just one more, Brother Ken. We'll be done this morning. We'll be baptizing, Brother Ken. Just as I am. Waiting not to rid one dark blot. you be seated for me this morning those of you who are going to be baptized if you'd come on and make your way so reminders you go up the steps gentlemen you go to the right ladies you go to the left once you get to the top of the steps those of you who are being baptized come on this morning and uh, Jesse Josh where'd you go would you all mind just helping folks as they make their way for me thank you so much Albert girls are y'all all three still in here y'all come sing that song for me again this morning I like it them, them singing folks, that's my kind of crowd. Y'all come on and sing for us one more time if they get done.
Most kind and gracious Father, we thank you for house this morning. God, we thank you for the two souls that were baptized this morning. God, we thank you for their confession and faith. And God, we thank you that you're saving lost souls. God, we know that one day, that last one, except you, we're all going home. God, we just pray for that day. God, we, until that time comes, God, we just pray that those will continue to walk the aisle and continue to late. And God, we pray the first lost this morning that walk out the doors without accepting you don't have that promise of God we just ask that you deal with their hearts and pray that they last until God service this morning for the blessing that it was to us and God we just ask that you always help us to worship and working and witnessing God somebody that that you can be pleased with God we just ask that you help each one of us as we go our separate ways just stay safe and bring us back to next time in Christ's name